0: My name is Pastor Dennis, an executive pastor here. It's good to see you. Thank you for being here on a Wednesday. I know there's other things you could be doing, and I'm glad you're here. And uh, pastor mentioned we do have a bulletin every week, and every week uh, there's a lot of interesting things in there. <clears throat> and I hope you don't miss them, but I did, I did want to highlight a couple of things. We do have coming up, um, my little clicker thing isn't working here, but we do have coming up some things. We have baptism in a week, not this Sunday, but the following Sunday. If you have never been water baptized and you would like more information about that, please contact the church because we'd like you to be part of that if you can. And um, a lot of other things coming. We have men's retreat, women's retreat. If you want to be part of those, you need to let me know as soon as possible so we can make sure we get you a room. And we would love to see you there. I know for the men, we went last year and had such a great, great time. So I would encourage you to be part of that if you can. Um, let's see. What else? I don't remember what else was on there. It's not that important, obviously, since you can grab a bulletin and, and you can do that. I do want to talk to you tonight about, about some things that, um, that we all deal with on different levels. And as everything goes, things are different for everybody. Have you ever heard that saying, the eye is the window to the soul? You know, there's a lot of sayings like that that sound very scriptural that, that actually aren't in the Bible, and that's one of those. But there are very similar scriptures that are in the Bible that do talk about that. As I was kind of meditating on that scripture and those scriptures that talk about that, and I was thinking about uh, specifically what I was thinking about is the television, and I was remembering, is anybody here old enough to remember seeing some of the moonshots on TV? Anybody else that old? Just a few of us, okay. <laughs> I was a kid in the Philippines, and we literally we, we lived on base, but we went out to the servicemen center. We walked like a mile and a half through town to get there because they had a TV that was going to show that. And I remember as a kid watching that, and it was remarkable, remarkable to see. And it was something it was kind of one of those shared events as a nation that people do. And then you know you think about TV and how much influence it can have, and how you know we watch sports. And, you know, an event will happen in sports and everybody will see it over and over again, you know, the same thing, and everybody shares this moment. Hey, did you see that? And, you know, nowadays we can replay it and we can do all of these things with it, uh, with TV. It's amazing. It's amazing. You know, you see uh, beautiful things in your home. You can watch some guy catch snapping turtles, right, on TV or alligators or crocodiles or whatever. Uh, It's amazing. But what is also amazing about the television is I believe what happens with TV and that medium in particular is it slips things past our filters. You ever notice that? It has an ability with with all the amazing wonder of the the visual and combine that with the audio and the experience, especially with TVs we have today, it slides right through our filters. And we, we end up allowing things into our mind that that we probably didn't intend or wouldn't have or we would have been more guarded about before now again I keep going back to these childhood memories but did any of you do this like you you wanted to stay home from church on a Sunday night because you want to watch this one show anybody ever do that (laughs) I know it's it's embarrassing to admit but for me it was like kung fu I wanted to watch kung fu anybody watch that David Carradine thank you one guy thanks very much all right and so my parents didn't want me watching it do you know why does anybody know why because why? Oh, it's Eastern philosophy, for sure. And they knew that. They were smart enough to see that. But I couldn't see it. To me, all I saw was cool fighting and, you know, he was helping people and it was fascinating. And they were thinking, oh, no, but son, you're, you're exposing yourself to Buddhism and all these other things. And it just didn't make sense to me. It was the eye of the soul. And years later, I remember watching that show and I was amazed at how much was in there. The philosophy is it's, it's dripping with it. And it was right there. I didn't even realize it. And it was just passing right by, just scooting right by. Think about how music does, too, when you add music to it. Have you ever noticed, I I love doing this with people, like you'll talk about music, and they'll say, oh, music's not bad, and I don't even listen to the words. And then you'll start to hum a tune, and they go, oh, I know that song, and then they know all the words. What is it about music that just locks it into our brain? And we even use it as a teaching device. Have you ever done that or experienced that? I mean, there's songs I learned even as a kid that today I still know all the words because they're, they're songs that I learned as a kid, like uh, the Fruit of the Spirit song. Did you guys learn that? Fruit of the Spirit is, you know, we learned this version. Love, joy, and peace. Long, it's not even a great melody, really. <laughs> it's long-suffering gentleness, goodness, and faith. Uh, and it just sticks. I've, I, I mean, as a kid, I learned that, and I've got it. And that's what happens with this. And so that concept of the eye being a window to the soul is so real. It's real. And it's something that when the biblical writers talked about it, obviously they weren't thinking about television, but it's something that we, have, that we have in front of us all the time. All the time. Something else you may not think about is this, that really when you're watching a TV show or any of those things, in a real sense, a lot of them really are preaching. Did you ever think about that? They're preachers. They're just using a different pulpit to preach. Let's see. Oh, still not there. That's okay. Don't worry about it, guys. I'm going to just skip it. That's okay. They're preaching, but they're preaching with a different pulpit, way more effective, because they've got the whole visual thing going, the music going, the images are changing a lot. You know, that's why preachers, they tell us to move around a lot, keep people's attention so they don't fall asleep. And that's how it happens on TV all the time. And of course, we've probably heard studies about how kids, you know, their attention spans are damaged because, you know, if they grow up watching TV, those images are changing every few seconds. So for them, it's difficult to read a book because it takes intense, you know, focused time. But think about it for a minute. They're preaching something. What is it they're preaching to us every time? They're preaching something. I remember a few years ago, I, I, I remember being kind of grieved in my spirit because so many people were so into this one TV show. Let me tell you the premise of the show. You may figure out what it was. This girl meets this guy, this man. She's younger than him, but meets him in, in, I don't remember where they met. I didn't see the show. But I know she met him, and they end up having an affair that night. And then the next day, she's a she is a medical student, and he happens to be one of the doctors at the hospital she's going to be working at, or going to school at. And then... His wife was also there, and then the way they frame it in the show, the wife is kind of an evil shrew, and so you root for the girl to break up the marriage. See what I'm talking about? It's a wonderful show. Very, very popular. McDreamy and all that. Yeah. And my... I'm not necessarily talking bad about one show. I'm saying they're preaching a message that we allow past our filters because we enjoy the content or it's exciting and interesting. And we all do it. I mean, that's, that may have been a more girl-directed show, I guess, than a guy-directed show, but the guys do the same thing. And you know, we're willing to compromise on other things because they might have violence or action that we like. We do that, and that's what happens. And as it creeps into your heart and mind, you start to make compromises because it's just a little bit. And you don't realize the damage that it's doing, and you're willing to make the compromises because it's fascinating and entertaining and interesting as you're walking along through it. Here's here's to me where it starts to get really scary. I think about how, how it shapes opinion, how literally American opinion on certain values and morals have changed over the last 10 to 15, 20 years, and a lot of it, social scientists tell us, is television. Because a lot of times, the, for instance, maybe the homosexual character will be the smartest, the wisest, the best looking, the best dressed, and the doofus will be the, you know, the person that has supposedly Christian values. I mean, how many times have you seen a Christian minister or a priest portrayed in a good way recently? I mean, when was the last time you even saw a dad portrayed in a good way? Where it used to be that was kind of the norm, but nowata- nowadays they're kind of the, you know, the bumbling idiot and and on and on it's it's changing it's forcing a change onto us i think what happens too is in our life as we allow that stuff into that window of our eye and our ear that as we allow it in what happens is we step into this echo chamber that the world is where we don't have anybody calling us on it there's nobody saying hey that's not true because we start to tend to lean that way because those kind of things have passed through our filters and we want to justify our behavior and our viewing and what we're allowing in and the different value systems that we're starting to embrace. And then in the world, because that's what they embrace, it ends up being this echo chamber where that's all you hear and they're all for that. And there's this chorus that goes on all around you, whether that's in music or in videos or television or magazines and on and on and on. And it pushes us as a society in a direction that is unfortunately away from God. My biggest concern though is us. Where does our heart go? Anybody remember that um that little kid song, Be careful, little eyes, what you see? Everybody remember that? Be careful, little ears, what you hear. Remember? Be careful, little was there a mind one in there? <laughs> Should have been. Because it goes right to our brain, and then once it's in our mind, it ends up in our actions. If you have your Bible with you tonight, I'm not going to put it up on the screen, obviously, tonight, but I want you to turn, if you do have a scriptures with you, to Mark chapter 7. I can read it to you, and that's what I'll do. Starting here with verse 20, Jesus goes on and he says, What comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All of these evil come from the inside and defile a person. The reason I use that scripture is because those are the things that the world is continually shoving into us in any way they can. Usually it's visual or audio, auditory. But those are the values and the things that are changing over and over and over. And they're pushing in and trying to change your value system guys crack me up okay here we go um okay i'm gonna skip through this it'll take me a second here baptism the eye is that kind of creepy Winded to the soul okay um kind of corny i was just showing you my tv that we had when i was a kid a little black and white 12 inch and most kids don't know what that is they recognize this all right stuck again it's okay oh and I was just showing you it's just some of the images you can share on TV and of course the Chargers dominating the Chiefs is usually what I see during football season I'm just saying and the moonshot and then the preaching right into your mind and into your music and I was going to mention this maybe you've heard this in history class that the debates you know the Kennedy Nixon debates the people who heard the debates thought Nixon won but the people who watched them thought Kennedy won. Well, part of the reason was the imagery that was there is, you know, evidently Nixon was sweating profusely and that didn't play well on TV. <laughs> so, um, and then the dads being good dads and not so good. And then I was going to just illustrate the fact that uh, the, <laughs> with television, they've really tried to force certain things on us. Have you Have you noticed that? Like the anti-smoking, you know, deal, which, I mean, smoking is bad for you, of course, but... You know, a lot of famous people used to do this, and now they've kind of sanitized this out of, you know, you see Bob Hope there, and that was Paul Newman, and the Marlboro Man, and Joe Camel, and then, of course, you know, Roosevelt. And... But it's okay for them to push alcohol on us, right? right. right. Y- have you noticed that? And have you noticed what's happening with this kind of, this particular kind of advertising that's happening with this guy? Yeah. Like, I don't even know who this guy is, but they keep talking about him being the most interesting man or whatever it is. And they're kind of reframing what it means to be manly and cool and drink alcohol. Have you noticed that? So he's catching a shark, and then he's, whatever he's doing, he's climbing, you know, the Everest. And then he's with all these women, and then he's the most interesting man. So, and then I found this. This is a German ad. What do you think they're trying to sell you there? Yeah, oh. Oh is sad. Exactly. Um, and that's the bubble I was talking about. Let me, let's move quickly here. Jesus also said, what fills the heart comes out of the mouth. I I remember years ago, I'd said something to my mom, and then she said, I cannot believe you just said that. And then the more she confronted me on it, I kept saying, well, I didn't mean it that way. That's not what I meant. And then she quoted the scripture. Of course, she quoted King James, from the heart the mouth speaks. And it haunted me. I thought, wait a minute, you can tell a lot about a person from what comes out of their mouth. And where does that come from? It comes out of your heart. Now, I'm not saying casual missteps of words. I'm not talking about that. What I'm saying is that a lot of times what's in us comes out that way. And Jesus recognized that. For a man thinks within himself, so he is. There's lies we tell ourselves about this echo chamber that the world has. And these are the lies that I feel like we need to confront as Christians today in a huge way. And if you don't, and we all live these lies from time to time and in different areas. For you, it may be different than me. I'm sure it is. But these are the lies that we tell ourselves. First lie we say is it doesn't affect me. Yeah, that TV show may be bad for other people, that movie, whatever, but it's not bad for me. I can deal with it. Everybody else is a little different for them. It's not the same for me. The thing, the thing that really uh, haunts me about that is we all think that, don't we? That we're just a little bit immune than the next person and we compare ourselves and think that we're okay but that maybe they struggle with it but I'm all right. What happens though is incrementally we start to drift and you give up a little ground to the enemy and a little bit of a compromise and then it's more and more and more. Don't ever forget this. that, That... There is an enemy, and he wants your soul. He wants to destroy you. He wants to kill you. He's not playing. We play. We play with these things. We act like it's okay, but he is not playing. He's going for the throat every time. So his game is, if he can get you a little, that's cool, because he'll get you a little more tomorrow, and then tomorrow, and then tomorrow. It reminds me of that whole frog in the kettle illustration. Have you heard of this? where if you put them in, you know, normal water, they'll swim around and you slowly heat it up, pretty soon they're cooked. If you put them in hot water, they jump right out. I tried this once as a youth pastor to show kids. Totally backfired because they were so freaked out about the frog, they couldn't pay attention to what the whole point was. So I didn't want to, you know, it's just like, oh, we didn't even do it. But another lie we tell ourselves, everybody's doing it. Now, I know you've heard this forever. You, maybe your kids said this to you. Maybe you said this to your parents. But the problem is, we say it to ourselves, don't we? Everybody's doing it. Or maybe somebody's doing it that we respect or we know is a good Christian or solid Christian. If it's okay for them, it's okay for me. And maybe it's not okay for you. I'm, I'm trying to get you to do a little bit of self-inspection right here, introspection, to see what is, where is your life and where is it, you know, what is really okay. Some of you may, well, some parts of it are good. I can throw out the bad and keep the good. We do that, right? We think we can do that? Now, I'm not saying that we, are, we need to be uh, totally legalistic as Christians and make sure everything, you know, I'm not saying we go back to no makeup and women don't cut your hair and dresses. I'm not saying that. But I am saying this, that you need to be careful for your own soul. This is your responsibility. God loves you and he cares for you and he's given you an ability to be wise and to take care of yourself and to watch these things. And you need to be wise as, wise as serpents because you need to know what it is. I um, Anybody like brownies? Yeah, whoa, those hands went up quick. All right, well, imagine if they were, they were all brownies, but then there was just a couple that had this. <laughs> I know, it's gross, I'm sorry. But what if? Some parts are bad, but the problem is, it, it always gets in there. How about this, no one will know. This is probably the worst, especially for men. Uh, I think it was D.L. Moody who said that That character is what you do in the dark. You think about it for a minute. If no one would ever know, what would you do? It's kind of like the whole thing with the lottery. If you won the lottery, would you still work at your job? But if no one would ever know, would you still live a good moral life? Would you still live for Christ if nobody knew? If nobody knew where you went and what you thought, would you still live this way? The thing is this. You can always lie to yourself and sell yourself. No one will ever know. But even if nobody in this room knew, or your wife, your husband, your kids never knew, you know who knows? It's the person who matters most, the person who loves you the most, the person who died for you, the person who cares for you the most, the one who sacrificed for the most, the most for you. He knows. Not only that. Even if nobody knew, it's a cancer you've invited into your whole, your soul. It's gonna eat you alive and bear fruit one day, and you're gonna be in pain and sorrow and sadness. You know, I look at these types of situations in people's lives, and it's so easy for us to be feel a little bit superior and maybe even a little judgmental when we see somebody who's, you know, maybe, maybe had a failed marriage, or maybe, maybe you're driving somewhere and you see someone who's obviously, you know, on the side of the road, destitute, or drug addict, or prostitute, and you wonder, how did they get there? Was it overnight? They certainly didn't grow up thinking, I want to do that someday. I'm sure there was a point in their life where things started to turn, and they started to make compromises, and then it snowballed into where they are. And I'm not saying that you're a step from there, but what I'm saying is this. To lie to yourself over and over and over and say, nobody knows, is you're just fooling yourself. It's a lie. I want to say this to you. Protect yourself. Take every thought captive. Every thought. I, I like this verse because when Paul says this, I love how he phrases this. Take every cap- captive, every thought, and make it obedient to Christ. You know why I like this? Because it tells me that I can control my mind. How many people have you known who've just said, I can't help it? I look at them and I think, You could. But, but either you don't want to, you never have, you never learn to, whatever. But this tells me I can. And it's very forceful. The language he uses is really forceful. Captive. Make it obedient. That says that I can take things that are in my mind and I can control that. Now, obviously, I'm not saying you do it all alone. God helps you with this. But as you do this, you take those thoughts captive. Now, how does that work? It works like this. When things happen or images come up, I mean, you literally... Take your mind captive and look away and think about something else. It's literally that, that harsh and simple. You do it. You make it happen. I think about this. Guard your heart. Proverbs says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. I don't know how many of us as Christians really take this seriously. I mean, seriously, guard your heart. You know, we walk through life, we're Christians, we go to church, we hear the word, we do a good job, but guard your heart. I mean, guard it. I mean, protect it like it's really something valuable, that it's something valuable that you can't sacrifice, you don't want anything in there that doesn't belong there. That you guard it, guard it, guard it. Let you guard it like you would your teenage daughter, your heart though. That you guard it like you would your baby kid, your baby child, but your heart, Do you treat your heart that way that you don't let anything in that would make you become bitter, that would make you become, you know, lustful or, or, you know, pull you away from Christ. Those are things. Do you guard it? Do you protect it? Watch your mouth. <laughs> keep your, uh, the next verse in Proverbs, keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. I know, I know what everybody in here is thinking. I don't cuss. That's not all it's talking about. Because there's a wide spectrum there that there's things that we allow ourselves to get in the pattern of saying or talking about. Maybe it's an attitude that we use, and that is something that can be very, very difficult to break. I know some Christians who've been Christians for a long time that still struggle with what comes out of their mouth, words that they just had a habit of using. Maybe it's the company that they're around, and maybe they can't help it. Maybe they're on the job, and it's something they're hearing all the time, and they don't want to do that. But it's, it's something that, you know, as, as the Bible talks about, that comes from within you. That's something that you have to guard and guard against and really, really help, have God help you with. My will, and that doesn't even belong there. Uh, fix your eyes straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. What I wanted you to t- see here is to watch your eyes where they go. Here's what the, here's what the, uh, the writer of Proverbs, Solomon, is trying to tell you here. Keep your eyes straight. Guys, I think we know what that means, right? Don't, don't be distracted and looking away at things that they don't need to be on. Keep your eyes where they're supposed to be, where they're supposed to be. I want to just say something for you guys with uh, sons, with younger sons. They see everything we do, everything. They see where your eyes go. And something in their heart is wondering, why does he do it? Why is he looking at her? They do. Even if they're not there yet as a kid, maybe mature enough to understand that, they wonder. And I just want to challenge you. Keep your eyes where they need to be. Watch your step. Be careful. Give careful thought for the paths of your feet and steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. I like this this verse in a similar way to the one that talked about your mind. Because I control where I go and what I do. I do. Me. Me. No one makes me go places I don't need to go. One of the most sad things I've heard in my life has been somebody saying, oh, he was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. I don't often say this out loud because it's not appropriate at the time, but I'm thinking, if you're not in the wrong place, it's never the wrong time. Wrong place at the wrong time. Why were you in the wrong place? Obviously, what they mean is you know they just happen to be where the bad thing was happening. But what I want you to understand is this. If you're not in the wrong place, it won't be the wrong time, whatever that place is. Watch your influences. Jump into Psalm 1. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. I love the psalmist here in this progression. He starts off with walking, then standing, then sitting. Starts off with walking, standing, and sitting. Who, who are you listening to? Who are the people that are influencing you? Are they really people who are godly and have a voice for you and somebody who can lead you into the ways of righteousness? Or are they instead wicked, sinners, scoffers? And, and this part about scoffers, one, one translation says mockers. And as I was kind of meditating, praying on this this particular verse... It started. I started to think about the fact that I have some very cynical friends that I noticed that my heart is more pure and less cynical when I'm not talking to them. These are Christians, but they're really negative people and cynical. Cynical about leadership, cynical about things going on, cynical. And I found sometimes when I'm not around them for a while and then I get around them, it's like, ooh, Forgot what this felt like. And then when you're around them a while, it's not as bad anymore, and you find yourself joining in again. And then I separate myself and realize I'm friends with them, but I'm not gonna be around them. Because what they what comes out of them is not what I want coming out of me. I don't want that heart in me. They may even be right, but I don't want that heart in me. Not at all. Feed your spirit. But his delight is in the law of the Lord and his law, he meditates day and night. He'll be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither and in whatever he does, he prospers. It's not enough just to say no to the influences that are in the world. You also need to say yes to what God wants to do to feed and clothe you. You have to do both things. No to one and yes to the other. It's It's a simple concept. It's a concept you see in everything, whether it's gardening or weightlifting or whatever. What you feed grows. What you feed grows. What you don't feed withers and dies. It's as simple as that. So my question first to you tonight is what are you feeding your spirit? What are you allowing in there? Believe me, I'm not saying don't watch TV. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying don't go to movies. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is guard your heart. Guard your mind. It is the wellspring of life. It is the very thing which flows out of you. What is going in you? What are you feeding? Where are you getting it from? There are so many good places to spend time with good people, with good influences. Obviously, Scripture. Obviously, there's great you know, preaching on TV. There's preaching on the radio. There's internet sources now where you can download countless ministries and feed your soul like that. Wonderful things. I would even say this, there are wonderful secular things that can feed your soul, places you can go that are, that are healthy places for you to be and places for you to feed on. My point though is this, if you don't feed yourself in the good things and just say bad or no to the bad things, that's not healthy either. Let me give you some practical steps here to protect yourself. One, some of us might need a little shock and awe. Now, I can't imagine this is for the ladies at all, but for the men, perhaps. Some of you may be in a place where, as I'm speaking to you tonight, the Holy Spirit is convicting you in something particular that you have dabbled in or allowed in. or And it may not be even super bad. It's just something that the Holy Spirit is talking to you about and saying, Child, this is something you need to cut out. I want to move you away from this. For some of you, it may be a radical It may need to take some radical moves on your part to change this. It may. I want you to know that whatever you do walking toward God, he he does way more coming toward us. You will never do more for him than he does for you. So don't feel like you're giving all this up for him and it's such a big sacrifice. I know at one point in your life it may feel like that, but you will never come close to what he does for you. You need to decide and get back up. I want you to hear this. You need to decide tonight. Don't put this off. Now, I'm not like preaching a sermon where you might get hit by a car and die, And that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you need to decide tonight because what happens is as the Holy Spirit has been talking to you, you've been thinking about these things and you're ready to make a decision. But if you wait and say, oh, you know, that, that was good, but I'll think about that later, you won't. Because you'll walk out of here, you will forget, and it won't happen. You need to do that tonight. Not only that, you need to decide and get backup tonight. And what I mean by backup is somebody to help you be accountable. Somebody to be there, but you need to decide that tonight. Because again, if you let it go, chances are it will not happen. Because you just won't follow through. It's just how we're made. Let me say this as well. You need to build barriers now. Build barriers that will protect you now, tonight, in here, decisions that will protect you. So if that means um, getting, I don't know, turning internet off, turning off cable channel, um, canceling a subscription, I don't know. Whatever that is, you need to decide you're going to do that tonight. Because again, you'll, you'll justify it and figure a way to say, well, it's not that bad, I can wait till the next week or whatever, and it'll slip. Um, any Dave Ramsey fans? In the house, I love how he says this, um, if you want to live like no one else, then you need to live like no one else. Um, as a Christian, you need to live like no one else. And I'm sorry if everybody else is doing it and you want to be part of that, um, but I don't. I don't want to live like everybody else because I've seen too much of the destruction and the pain that it brings in their lives, and I don't want that in my life. I don't. I I grew up with the stories of my great-grandfather being an alcoholic and never around and on and on and on. No appeal to me. None. I don't want to live like that. I don't. And I know that you don't either. Um, You may need help from somebody to see what you're missing. This is painful. And this is really um, something that most of us aren't comfortable doing. It can be very threatening Uh, Maybe your husband or wife or maybe just a friend of yours who you can go to and say, hey, I really want to live right. Do you see any area here that I maybe need to tighten things up or change some things? Is there something here that you recognize in me? That would be hard to do, wouldn't it? To go to a friend and say, what is it that I need to work on? Here's the thing. We have seen the enemy, but it's us. Now there is an enemy of our souls, but usually it's us who lets him in. It's usually us who opens the gateway. We have the power over that. I'd like you to shut your eyes for just a moment. And at, with your eyes closed for a moment, I want you to think about this for just, just what we've been talking about. What is it that God has been speaking to you about tonight that maybe needs to change? Maybe it's too much time spent on one thing over another. Maybe it's not enough time spent with him in prayer or in the word, or maybe, maybe it's time with some people who are not really um, encouraging to you that you need to be with some people who are. I like, don't know what it is for you. But like I said a minute ago, you need to decide tonight. What is it you're going to change? What are you going to do? So let's just take a moment between you and God and just tell him, God. I want to be different. Just to, in your own words, in your own mind, just tell him, God, these are the things that I want to change and make a difference in. Some of you, with your eyes still closed, you may need to talk to somebody and get some help. Get them to be an accountability partner. Tell them, you know, it, it, can, be very, it can be very threatening to just say, hey, I'm struggling in this, I need your help. Will you be a friend to me and help me? Maybe you need to ask that friend, what is it in me that I need to change? But you may need to make those decisions tonight. As we close tonight, you're certainly always welcome to pray, you know, here at the altars or wherever you want, but I'm gonna pray for you and then dismiss you. Father, I thank you that you love us enough to correct us. God, I thank you that you are a...